greatest tweets ever, and I lost like a hundred followers. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Cool. You guys ready? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode of The Candace Owens Show. I know that I get tons of fan mail and letters and emails uh, from parents who are really concerned about the state of the world today. And you guys are asking yourself, should I really be sending my kids to college? Uh, it's not like the college and university scene when you guys were growing up. Um, we're seeing it grow increasingly more radical, especially in the context of today. Whenever you see those images of a bunch of people trying to pull down a statue, you can bet anything. It is a coggle of college students without question. What's really going on, going on in college campuses? And um, I had the honor of speaking at Trinity College, uh, which is in my home state of Connecticut, and came across a very interesting situation with this student sitting across from me, Nick Ingstrom. Welcome to The Candace Owen Show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share my story and to talk about college. We were sort of looking to have someone um, from the university on my show, but it's difficult because, of course, if you come on to my show and you're at your university, you basically uh, sign yourself up to be canceled and yeah. bullied. So, but the good thing is you've already been canceled yeah. and bullied. I, you know, when you're when you're essentially labeled a white supremacist and get fired around campus, which I'm sure we'll get to, pretty much nothing really stops you from doing anything else. Right. So, so. let's just get into your backstory first before we get into the story of what happened and how the faculty and the students were all involved. Where are you from? So I'm from Swampscott, Massachusetts, okay. which is on the North Shore, um, about 25 minutes north of Boston. Okay. So when you finished high school, you said, I'm going to apply, and which was Trinity College your number one pick? Were you excited about the prospect? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so really interesting. So I've been a lifelong conservative and a Republican, and I've always been fascinated by politics, and I've always wanted to come to D.C. and just study it and learn about it. Um, and one of my favorite people, Tucker Carlson, went to Trinity. Jesse Waters also went to Trinity. George Will. And it had this reputation of being like a center-right school for kids that want to either make it on Wall Street or in D.C. Um, so I really, I fell in love with it, fell in love with the campus and the vibes, and I was really, really excited to go in the fall. So that was, that was already in your thought process when you were applying, though. You were yeah. actually thinking about, is this school center-right yeah. or is it going to be far-left? That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely, and like, well, what I what I really wanted was is I wanted a liberal arts education, um, which is you know liberal in nature, the, the good type, right? The the type where you can be well rounded and it's interdisciplinary, and you can just learn as much as possible. Like if I could take a class on Karl Marx, but then counter it with a class on you know the the future of markets and kind of learn about how you know he's contradicts himself in his writing. Um, that's really what I wanted, and I thought that you know Trinity being a liberal arts school, but with a center-right student body would be the perfect place. So you, what you wanted was essentially a true yeah. college experience <laughs> true where you get college. to experience different ideas and sort of make up your mind on what you think is right. Exactly. But that is not the state of uh, college campuses today. No, it's really not. And you made a terrible, terrible, disgusting, horrible, horrible white supremacist decision. Can you please tell my audience what it is that you did? Yeah. So, guys, I read books on John Locke and on Western civilization. So uh, what happened was is that, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Churchill Institute, but it was somewhat started at Trinity back in 2016. Um, and we decided that we wanted to make a club version of it. We felt, and this is me and my friends, that there just wasn't enough emphasis on the Western tradition in our education. 
if we were taught it, we were taught about it from a really negative light. And we just wanted to, and we didn't really want to be taught it necessarily. We just wanted to read about it. We wanted to kind of see the facts for ourselves and then make our own decisions. Because, you know, you talk to a lot of people today and it's it's really a divisive topic, which is sad that that like kind of the birth of our nation and that like our entire society is a divisive topic. Um, but, you know, you talk to someone and Western civilization is the greatest thing on earth. You talk to someone else and it's the worst, like most atro atrocious thing that could ever happen in the world. So we really wanted to get to the bottom of that. Um, so we started reading these books and we wanted to bring speakers to campus with that. And I think that this is standard. If any college students listening, you have to go through kind of a ridiculous process to get speakers on campus. I'm sure you might've maybe experienced some of that with. Well, it's going, not true. It's only if you want to bring conservative. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a very easy process. If you, if you want to bring Linda Sarsour or somebody else onto campus. Right. But. Exactly. So, so we tried to get approval to do this. Um, I mean, it's, it's essentially rubber stamp to. For more context, I also run college Republicans at campus. We had to redo our SGA approval that fall of my freshman year, and it passed unanimously. So, which I also think was really interesting. So, politically, kids don't really care as much. But when we got into the academic sphere, so this was going to be an academic club where we would bring academic. Wait, hold base. on. You said you had to pass your S SGA. Oh, sorry, SGA Student Government Association. Okay, got sorry. it. Sorry, no but, worries. Um, but with that. With so it passed, it passed very quickly through the SGA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's essentially like a rubber stamp. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be a big deal. I mean, it's it's a bunch of college kids just granting you approval to use a room or not. Um, when we had the Churchill thing, I got to the podium to present, and I was greeted by I think around like forty to fifty protesters already protesting our club before it was even existing. Um, the argument is is that. Western civilization is a dog whistle term for white supremacy. Mm. So essentially, if you believe in individual freedom, human rights, um, capital, markets, then you're a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. Great. So That's really great to hear. Yeah. yeah. So um, and, and what I think was really interesting is they kept on using this term dog whistle over and over again. And I think that it's what I see it as, and I think we see it all the time now, is that the left is essentially using Western civilization as a dog whistle term for themselves as a way to take away freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I think that all the time when you hear the word Western civilization, I mean, people on the left cringe. They're like, oh, human rights, like freedom, like I want to take those away from you. Um, and you really kind of start to get those those vibes when you're on a college campus and you can see them morph into students. And, you know, you can have a couple of just standard, typical mainstream kids come to campus and four years go by and they're a leftist. Right. That's and exactly it's, and right. It's crazy. And 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 you know, it is interesting that they think that there is something fundamentally wrong and backwards about the very civilization that allows them to do what they do in terms of protesting and shrieking, uh, because it certainly couldn't go on in an Eastern civilization. Um, right. you know, without severe consequences. I mean, could you imagine if a bunch of kids on a college campus well, they did that once, I think they called that the Iranian Revolution yeah. in Iran, or you know, um, we know what goes on in China. So it's interesting yeah. that the exact same civilization that gives them the permission to do what they do, uh, they discredit and they talk badly about and they say that they fundamentally want to dismantle. Yeah. And I think the the, the answer to that question is, is that they don't know what it really is. Mm -hmm. um, one person asked me, it was like, you can't read John Locke because he was pro-slavery and he owned slaves. I was like, what? Like, I actually, I kind of like laughed because I was like, I am I being punked? Like, I really thought that in my head because it's, so first of all, he, he was writing after slavery was basically like a taboo in, in, in England. And he he was like probably one of the most anti-slavery 
philosophers of the time and even now with the Enlightenment. I mean, our Declaration of Independence is mostly based off of his scholarship. So I just was like, you obviously have no idea what you're talking about. It reminds me of when uh, Colin Kaepernick was boycotting the Betsy Ross flag. Yeah. Uh, because he said that it had race, racist undertones and like he clearly had no idea who Betsy Ross was. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think it's just... And they did it. The thing that the thing that's crazy is that, you know, they actually win their arguments. Like they, they actually yeah. removed the shoe. So he was fundamentally wrong. It was a fundamentally stupid mm-hmm. comment. Uh, these people were, you know, a, a part of the abolitionist movement and yet they still said, okay, we have to do away with this flag. Um, And and this is kind of what's interesting about the left is that they hate everything about specifically Western history, right? We Mm -hmm. know that slavery began, you know, uh, in in the Middle East, right? We know that slavery was lasted longer uh, in Eastern society. We know the West Mm -hmm. was the first to end it. And yet they find something to be problematic about Western civilization and Western civilization alone. What is it you think they're after? So I think think that's a great question. And I think you've been studying that a lot, I think, recently. And, and I think um, the what it is is that when we talk about slavery, and I try to say this all the time, where you can't – like you can have a Western society, but you can have anti-Western policies and systems in it as well. It's not like things just change overnight. Like like slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, those, those, were, don't, those don't correlate with the West, right? Those aren't Western values, but we had them. And I think that that's – more of a conversation about policy and changing policies and moving past that. And I think one of the things, and it's I think the most ironic part is that Western civilization is progressive, right? It's it's you're kind of studying it in a linear sense of that moving forward progress where you know slavery was a sin. We realized that we made an amends and we tried to move forward versus other civilizations that haven't done that yet. Um, and I think that that is essential to kind of Western thought. And I think that that's the biggest piece that the left misses is that their idea of progress and, and you know, it's progressive essentially to um, hate on me and to try to cancel me and to, to fire me around campus. Yet, um, like, I'm trying to read the person that essentially helped cultivate that. Like John Locke, the Enlightenment, that was when that the whole idea of progress came into play. So I just find it really ironic. Right. Um, and, and I think the left really targets Western Civ and really puts an emphasis on on the slavery aspect because they'll realize that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I really think, and, and I think you date back, the Democratic Party and the left has been all about power for since since they've been around. And it's grasping onto that power as much as they can. And if currently right now, what gets them power is bashing on Western Civ. Mm-hmm. So they're going to keep doing it as they gain power. Right. And it seems to work every time. Like you said, like Colin Kaepernick, I mean, his argument made, made no sense, but yet he was able to get an entire brand, multi-billion dollar brand, to just change because he felt offended. Right. That's right. Even if you're wrong and you feel offended, that that's enough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want, I want to get this right, but I can't remember who I was reading. It was probably Thomas Sowell. I feel like he's the person <laughs> that I'm always reading the most. Um, but they had said that, I mean, it actually might have been Shelby Steele, but um, in their book, they had mentioned that one of the things that the left gets really wrong, and I think it's interesting because you said you feel like these students just don't know. Uh, so there is an element of ignorance that's at play. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that they get wrong is the idea that, you know, when we did formally acknowledge that slavery was wrong and that when we did formally acknowledge that Jim Crow you know, uh, laws were wrong, that that was somehow an acknowledgement that Western civilization was wrong and that the creation, um, that everything in America was doing was wrong prior to. Really, though, the battle for civil rights, now I, I'm almost sure it was Shelby, Shelby Steele, um, was a battle to actually get 
Americans to recognize the Constitution that they had already written, right? right? So it, it, all men are created equal. That was already in the mm -hmm. Constitution. That part was right. Um, and what we were pushing for was for the society to acknowledge what we had already said was true, not to mm -hmm. undo it. And I think today you're correct that we have this ignorance. We have a tremendous ignorance problem where they think everything that happened prior to the 1964, um, you know, civil rights bill is wrong and beyond it. I mean, you know, there's yeah. tons of things they want to cancel even up to the 1980s, but, right. um, you know, needs to be thrown away. Uh, and in that circumstance, you really get people throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a perfect way to sum it up. And I think um, you can even go a bit further. And I've noticed this in college um, with that. The ideas that you're just sort of, we all acknowledge that there was some hypocrisy within Western civilization. Within, no civilization is perfect. And we worked through them. Right. We, we realized that these issues were wrong. We realized that these systems were hurting people um, and we changed it. What I think is really interesting is on the topics of civil rights. And I think and, and you went to University of Rhode Island, um, you know, black people and people of color didn't really have an opportunity to get an, an education for a long time. Right. They weren't exposed to the idea of having um, a liberal arts education in, in, that's interdisciplinary. Now, black and brown people finally have a seat at the table. They're finally like have the opportunity to to be well versed in this, and they're taking it away from them. Mm. Like now, you come to school and you're essentially reading and studying why these systems are bad. Like if you're going to school right now, and if you're of color, you're learning that that the entire like th that you're oppressed, and right. that's kind of all that you are. The that system that you fought to get inside of, you got inside of, and you want to bring down now. Yeah, which is is kind of kind of backwards, and that's sort of what I do a lot of my work, trying to get people yeah. to wake up. Like you, you can't want, uh, you know, integration and segregation at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. um, but again, this is a new culture, and I think that this everything that we're seeing, whether it's the women's movement, whether it's Black Lives Matter, you know, whatever whatever group you're looking at, Antifa, this is unlike any of our ancestors, even the ones that are still breathing. And I say that all the time. Mm. The, you know, Black people of that grew up in the 1940s, like my grandfather, would not recognize the black people today. The women that grew up, you know, in the 1950s would not mm. recognize what you know what feminism is today. Um, so we are seeing sort of a corroding of our society. I want to mm -hmm. pivot and get back into your story, yeah, though. Let's do so it. you say you want to start the Winston. Are you calling it a club, an institute? Yeah, so uh, the Churchill Club. The Churchill Club. The easiest, yeah. And you're and you're already getting protested for saying that you want to start the club and the people that are protesting are showing up at the SGA? Yeah. So so we're currently, um, it's just like an open door meeting. We're trying to get approval. 50 people show up and they're protesting it. I stood there and I answered about an hour and a half worth of questions um, just about sort of ridiculous things on the lines of like, well, like, how can you read this? How, how are you going to counter these points? And like, well, so interesting. The point. The point is to study this one specific area because we feel like it's lacking in other areas of our curriculum. Um, and I think that you know, where people really were, they felt unsafe that we were having this on campus, that we were going after them for some reason. So this it's is like, a club. They're not required to be right, in the they're club. Not, yeah. They're saying we want to read some books. Um, yeah. You know, from from the Enlightenment, <laughs> from the Enlightenment yeah, era, right? and they're Plato, saying I don't feel too, safe. Like, yeah. That you're going to read this book written mm -hmm. by Plato, this yeah. book written by John Locke. And these yeah. are the concerns that they're raising. Yeah. Just okay. the, the very idea of us, say, not engaging in their narrative made them lose their minds. Even though it was on your own time? It was on our own time. Okay. And we just wanted to say we wanted to bring a speaker to campus. We could then have that luxury of doing so. The, the idea was that it was going to be outside of the classroom. We were trying to change the curriculum. We realized that that was a battle that was 
way too difficult for us to do at the time. And we just were like, let's try to enrich ourselves and get more people involved. So if you didn't want to do it, you didn't have to do that. So I think that that also speaks sort of volumes for like where these where everyone is right now, um, which is that even me doing something on my own time, I go to a school that 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 I pay for where I want to study what I want to study and I'm being told I can't. Hmm. That I think is a is an issue. Right. Um, and I don't really know how we solve that. I think we solve it by first acknowledging that. And I think that um, and I think you, you talk about it in your intro with, with parents and like kind of like what what is it like for my child to go to school today? Um, and it's true. It's like we need to start realizing that like it's not just talk. People talk about, oh, there's like basket weaving classes at like this liberal arts school. It's like that that exists. That's fine. That can exist. But like it also needs to be balanced. Mm. And when you take the liberal out of a liberal arts education, what are you left with? I know I'm going to kill myself for saying this or I'm going to be mocked, but there is another Thomas Sowell book <laughs> called Inside the Education System. And it's like the dogma, um, I for, I'm forgetting what the subtitle is, but something to do with the dogma of the education system. And he mm -hmm. sort of talks about this this illusion where um, actually right now you have more kids graduating than ever before, but they're dumber than they've ever been. Yeah. Um, they're not passing uh, academic tests, uh, you know, standardized tests. We are actually seeing the dumbest people that are able to graduate college. So he sort of explores why that is. And obviously, data and facts are all there, so it's indisputable. Mm -hmm. And he talks about this dumbing down of the American education system since the civil rights era mm -hmm. um, and sort of this idea that there was something fundamentally wrong with the American education system when, in fact, um, prior to the civil rights era, we actually had the best schools, I mean, mm -hmm. schools to rival the world. Yeah. Um, and now when I see every day that they're taking away these books, like, I mean, I studied John Locke. Uh, I was black. I didn't know there was anything problematic about right? <laughs> I was black when I was in student two. Um, and uh, didn't change. Uh, I've been black my whole life. And there, we studied those books. Nothing was wrong yeah. with it. They just canceled To Kill a Mockingbird, right? And mm -hmm. I, I studied those books. Nothing wrong with it. Nobody felt this anger or this angst in studying these books. It was mm -hmm. considered a, well, a more well-rounded education. Yeah. By the time I got into college, things were starting to shift. And mm -hmm. he talks about that shift and what they're introducing now, even so far as to make people feel acclimated. Mm -hmm. Ebonics classes, saying that even the language, the English yeah. language, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. We need to do a job of making people feel more cultured mm -hmm. and introducing Ebonics writings and horrible poetry. And so when you say that, that, they're, that they, they feel threatened mm -hmm. uh, by you wanting to educate yourself, you're really pointing to a larger issue. Yeah, and I think that's so true. And I think that larger issue stems from school administrations because I think that I always use this as an example. Columbia University and Providence College, they are probably two of the last schools that teach, that make studying Western civilization part of their graduation requirements. Mm. So you go to Columbia, you have to take six classes in their Western civilizations department um, in order to graduate. And I think that that's great. Um, and I think that like all these other schools, what you're seeing, right, is you're, you're seeing an administration cultivating a culture that allows really anything and everything to be canceled. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the issue. So so it's, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't I don't think we necessarily need to like hold a lot of these students accountable because it's like they're being conditioned to think this way. It's not their fault. You know, it's, it's not their fault. And I think that that's important to kind of acknowledge and that it's like the real issue here is, is higher ed. All right, so let's talk about higher ed. Yeah. I'm assuming these kids start protesting and your administration says, Nick, we've got your back. We are going to make sure that this uh, Winston Churchill Institute <laughs> gets started club, gets started here. And I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, like in, in a great world, it would have, but it didn't at <laughs> Trinity. Um, so to kind of just walk you through the timeline. So um, 
not only was I faced with like personal harassment from wanting to study Western civilization, institutionally we were set up to fail from the get-go. So like I said earlier, it's like a rubber stamp approval to get um, to get club approval on campus. They were like, well, because so many people are against this. So many people, I mean, like 50, 50 people are against this. Um, we are going to hold town halls on this issue. So our SGA approval was delayed a month. We then had to go to two town halls. There were probably like 200 people in each town hall. And we just had to listen to people's questions and comments on why they didn't think the club should exist. Give me some sample questions. So, yeah. So, so and one, comments. Some comments. So um, the best would be, and I think at the age ones, that I feel unsafe having this club on campus. Um, that it's, it's an atrocity and I don't feel like I belong at Trinity with a Churchill Club on campus. Um, we were accused of having um, Koch brother money. We, my, that's my favorite accusation that I, I get. Yeah, do you get that all oh, the time all too? All the time. And I just want to say, I'm not against taking their money, but I don't, ha I ha I don't I have haven't it. taken it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, like I'll take the Koch brother money, but like it's a weird thing when you're conservative. You get, there's, you just get, yeah, they're like, ah, oh, the Koch brother money. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what is that? Yeah, they're like, like I, I, it's, it's the craziest argument. And this is what mostly the faculty would make is that we were essentially taking money from the Koch brothers and then we were using it to run this club to then rig elections, like student government elections. And I'm like, where did that idea come from? Like, we literally just want to have like two dinners a year and like read books. Like, and like now, Paid like for by the Coke. Bunch. Yeah. Like now, now, now there's like this conspiracy theory that like we're out to like rig elections. And it's just like, it's the craziest with Coke money. Um, and, and, <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yeah. It, it's so I think that, um, and, and, and the thing is, like, again, like, I'm with you. Like, if they gave us money, like, cool. sure. Like, yeah, of course, like, it's a study something. I'm going to take the money. But they haven't donated to schools, I think, in, like, over three years. Like, they stopped doing that program. They never donated to me. So, I mean, I wish I was guilty of Koch Brothers. <laughs> I'm just not. But yeah. if, if you're watching Koch Brothers, we'll take it. We'll take it here at PragerU. Thanks. Yeah. No, I, I mean, but – and they were, like, like – there are professors that are, like, sitting in their basements, like, concocting. I almost think the argument is kind of boring. And do you ever get that vibe where, like, you're Republican and, like, the best argument they give you is that, oh, you're, like, laundering deep state money? It's totally bizarre. It's, like, it's like first of all, where, where does that come from? And, two, like, how is that, like, can we talk about the issue of Western civilization? Right. Like, like let's get back on track. And, like, they just wouldn't. Um, so those were, like, a lot of the town hall questions. Um, most people made the same question over and over again. Um, so everyone would come up and be, like, Western civilization – um, is white supremacy. They said that in our mission statement, we said expansion. Um, they took that as like legit, like domestic terrorist expansion, like, mm -hmm. like, like KKK stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like we're reading books. Like we put expansion in there because I think we were, we wanted to expand like our knowledge and expand our, our horizons with it. But it's um, a dog whistle expansion. Right. The word expansion is a dog whistle for wanting to expand your club uh, into a cell for the Ku Klux Klan. Right. I mean, it's just, it, it just gets out of, you can't even make it up. Like, um, so then it got, so then what happened was after that, I mean, they were like super, I just sat there and I was just like, this can't be happening. Like, like this can't be like real. Uh, but it was. So me and a few other club members, we decided that let's meet with the people that are voting on this to approve us. I feel like I'm a pretty personal person. I feel like if I talk to some people, maybe I can understand what the real issue is and maybe we can talk about it and talk it out. 
Um, I was naive, obviously, but but I mean, so so I get in there and I thought we had a pretty productive conversation. And, and I kind of was talking about the things with you, which is that I recognize the hypocrisy in some ways that Western civilization has had, but every day Western Civ strives to to correct those mistakes and to move forward. And I think that, you know, the freedoms that we have right now are given to us by that. Our ability to sit in this room and have this conversation and debate Western civilization can only happen because of Western civilization. And just no one really got it. So um, we even, you know, talked about changing some of some of our mission statement or just changing the wording just to kind of get it over with. And they wouldn't even budge on that. So we kind of realized that, like, they don't care. This isn't about us actually, like, this isn't about us reading books. This isn't about us doing anything. It's that professors, administrations, and this happens all over the country, have conditioned students to believe that Western civilization is bad for no apparent reason, just in a way to just gain power over the narrative that they want. Right. And I personally think it's pretty unclear what, what their narrative is because it's all over the place. Um, but some narrative is being pushed and it is not pro-Western civilization. I find a lot of the professors are just losers. I really do. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think yeah. that we just have a lot of professors that are losers. And I wish that it was more of a, and I, again, I'm getting that from that Thomas Sobok I mentioned, yeah. that, that there was more of a merit-based system in uh, becoming teachers. He actually teaches you in that book that mm -hmm. uh, the people that graduated with the lowest test score scores in, in universities are the ones that go on to become teachers. The people that have the lowest IQs mm -hmm. at universities um, are the ones that be, uh, are studying education. Those are the ones that are literally going to become the teachers. Um, so I think, I think that a lot of these people have found such little success in their life that it naturally uh, stakes them against uh, Western civilization, progress, capitalism, free markets, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not saying all of them. There are some amazing professors, and usually those ones don't get tenured for, for because if you right. if you win Teacher of the Year, Professor of the Year, they don't want you. Right. Um, it, it's a really rotten system in how they keep mm -hmm. teachers around, and they're more focused on making them, you know, right. write research papers than they are on helping them making them actually teach the students that they're there yeah. to provide for. Um, so it's it's a it's yeah. an ugly system, and I think and they are to blame. It's actually really funny that you brought that up too, because. That was one of the reasons why I think I was attracted to Trinity because Trinity actually has it has a 10 to 1 um, student-to-faculty ratio. I really wanted to be in seminars and engage with my professors and work with them. And it's just funny because like now I'm in this situation there. And I, and I have a few professors that I love at Trinity that I work with that, that really help me. But again, like a lot of them are, are sort of preaching this whole that like the Churchill Institute is funded by the Koch brothers. Like, what is that? Like, like what, like, um, and they also have done a lot of hit pieces on campus reform. They think that campus reform is like, there's also like underground network that also helps spread white supremacy in college campuses. It's, 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 it's nuts. Um, so what happened? So, so after those closed door meetings, we thought that we really were in a position where we actually would get approval. Um, so a few days go by, it's like dead quiet. Like nothing's really going on. You're almost like to the point where it's like, you know, like when it's really calm before snowstorm, mm -hmm. like you kind of, like I'm kind of having that, like I have a gut feeling that something bad's going to happen, but I just don't know what. So it's by class registration day. I'm up at like, I don't know, like 6.30 in the morning, like getting ready to go to the library. It's like my first time doing it on my own because I'm going to be a sophomore. And I get a text from my friends being like, dude, Look, look at the walls. I was like, what? It's like, you're all over the walls. They took, these, these, these kids, they took my face from, they like stalked my social media accounts, got my picture, got I think 15 other students' pictures, put them on a flyer 
and said, the old racism is as every bit as ugly as the new. And flyered us. There were probably 500 flyers around campus with my face on it saying that. Wow. Yeah. Do you know who was behind it? So, um, yeah. So, so the thing is so the Trinity uh, won't tell us. They know who was behind it. Yeah. And did they take any measures? Did they pull down? Did they issue a statement? Did they send out one of those letters that they send out all yeah. the time about so, tolerance and acceptance? Yeah. So, so, so this is where it gets kind of crazier, actually. It actually gets crazier. So, so what happened was is that I met with the deans, um, and I thought that we were on track. They told us that they found the people responsible, that they were going to handle punishment. Usually they sometimes tell you. They didn't tell us anything. They said it's all confidential, and I'm like, Okay, I wanted to trust the system. I really wanted to kind of follow through with it. Um, so I kind of let it be. Trinity sent out an email saying that we stand, you know, you know, our community's hurting, that obviously there's a lot of divisiveness on campus. No one should be fired. But, you know, it happened. Um, and it was kind of weak. What happened was then a protest erupt erupted out of that. So a bunch of these students that were probably a part of the firing staged a protest saying that Trinity College administration sides with white supremacists. Um, and yeah, so then what they did was because obviously, you know, denying us approval is a violation of our freedom of speech. Um, we contacted FIRE, we had FIRE involved, um, the, the Freedom Individual Rights Association. Um, you know, they outlined a clear case that like, you know, SGA by our, the Student Government Association violated their, their constitution. Trinity violated their policies by not allowing us to have this club. So, you know, obviously that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Right. So Trinity pulled this sort of loophole being like, oh, turns out you never needed to get SGA approval to exist on campus. So then they let you suddenly exist? Yeah. So you go through this entire period yeah. of harassment, bullying, you have to stand up there, town halls, and just take all of this. And then yeah. suddenly they're scared about getting sued and they say, never mind, you're allowed to have your club, you don't need approval. Yep. I find that to be a really unacceptable conclusion. I, I think that it is a really unacceptable conclusion. Um, and then on top of, oh, I don't think I, I added this in, but I also got a death threat. Um, it's also weird that I'm so just like relaxed about that, that it's just like so part of just kind of being conservative in this nature where it's like you're going to get canceled, so right. you might as well just get it over when you're 20 versus when you're 30. Um, <laughs> That's it's so sad it's and so, sad, so but, true. But yeah, but it's just like, well, now that it happened. The earlier like, the better because they can't cancel you twice. And, and I, I can speak from experience, they can't cancel you a thousand times. So <laughs> yeah. you, you do get over the loop and then you're just able to be yourself. Yeah, so there was this anonymous like troll at Trinity um, and he, uh, he they, whatever they were, they posted um, like that I was a pasty Klansman um, and so w whatever that means. Uh, Preppy Hitler was a big name that they were calling me. Preppy Hitler? Yeah, Preppy Hitler, whatever. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, the third one, which I think, the, I think this is my favorite. This was going absurd. along. This was my favorite one is that the next leaders of the KKK won't be wearing white sheets of robes, but will be wearing pink shorts and boat shoes. So, oh, yeah. We'll be dressed quite nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but, but it wasn't at me. It was also, I mean, we have a ton of, you know, Greek life organizations at Trinity too. So it was kind of like. It sounds like you dress well. I, I thank yeah. you. I appreciate <laughs> Preppy that. Preppy Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Both shoes in the KKK. It sounds yeah. like they're saying that you dress presentably. Yeah. And I find so, that to be problematic. I guess it's problematic. Okay. Um, well, and that's, and like you dig deeper into that and you see that it's, it's way more than just about books. It is about this cultural 
difference at Trinity where you have a bunch of just kind of mainstream kids and then a bunch of leftists of, of all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic status that just don't feel like they necessarily fit in and they just want to attack you. How did your parents feel watching you go through all of this and what was going on at school? So my parents were like, this can't be happening. They just were like shocked. And it's weird because I, and I think you could talk about it, like high school is so different where a lot of this doesn't necessarily happen in high school. Like if you're bullied in high school, which like my mom said like, this is bullying. And I was like, well, it is. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> bullying, right? So she was like, you know, if this is high school, like the, the kids get caught, the parents know who the kids are and a punishment's dealt with. I mean, Trinity just like didn't tell my parents really anything. Um, and my mom was just like, what is going on? Like, like, and she kept on kind of saying like, what would happen if like, you know, things were like reversed? Um, like what, what would happen if, if, if I, a conservative student, um, flyered around a bunch of, like we have a socialist club on campus. Like what if I took all the pictures of the socialist kids, fly them around campus and said that, you know, all socialists are, are, are murderers because right. of, you know, the, the death rate of, of, of socialist countries. Um, I would probably have gotten expelled. Right. Right. So, you know, there's no indication what the punishment was with these kids. I even heard, you know, a few times off the record that there might not have even been a punishment. Um, so that's a bigger thing to even look into. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a prime example of an administration gone rogue. They had no explanation for my parents for what happened. They cultivated basically this sort of insider versus outsider dynamic at Trinity where not only am I being attacked, but kids that dress like me are being attacked. Um, and, you know, all on top of this, I got fired, like, with other students, and none of us have gotten justice. Mm. Well, I think that you should pursue justice. So I'm going to ask you, have you thought about taking this up in the courts? Um, yeah, and I think I think that it's something worth talking about. And I think we, I mean, there's there's a lot of wrongdoing here. I mean, between freedom of speech violations, between um, s- slander. Um, I mean, to call me slander, libel. I libel. Mean, I mean everything. And, and, and I think that I think it's just sad that like this is supposed to be a liberal arts education. It's supposed to be the place where you're supposed to flourish in terms of what you're learning. And at the end of my freshman year, I was flyered, had a death threat. Um, you were a freshman. I was a freshman. I was a freshman. So this was this was like I'm now going to be a junior, but I, I was a freshman at the time. And like, like it's just like it was crazy. I, I I sometimes am speechless about it because it's like, wow, that that happened. Well, I mean, I personally hope you sue, and my, my reasons. I, I genuinely believe that we're we're arriving suddenly um, into a place where conservatives have to become litigious, and the reason mm. for that is because look at what's happening. I mean, we are seeing we have not seen this stuff since the civil rights era in terms of black people fighting for their rights. We are now seeing it happen again for conservatives. I mean, you're not allowed to speak, you're not allowed to read books, you're not allowed to have a club. You have to hide yourself, hide your friends. Uh, you know, I've had so many celebrities that are in Hollywood um, that message me and say that they can't say. Mm. Um, that they're conservative or l- risk losing their jobs yeah. on the basis of their idea. This is this is discrimination, yeah. and it's discrimination that we never thought was possible. Political discrimination yeah. on the basis of you being a conservative, you being a college Republican. They think that you know mm-hmm. discrimination is okay, and you know you see this sort of tacit accept- acceptance about it from the administration. Yeah, and I don't think we win unless we 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 demand that there are some protections forced um, mm-hmm. at, at these schools on, yeah. on a federal level. There should be protections in place 
for conservatives. You should be allowed yeah. to be a conservative on campus. Yeah, and I think that that's a great point. And one of the things that I've been trying to do, and I tried to do it somewhat last year and continuing it in, is that we I'm trying to get a free speech bill passed in Connecticut. Um, originally, it was looking at public, but I think, I mean, if we can try to expand it to private schools, because here's the situation. You know, when you're dealing with the federal government, you have federal laws, right? In this case, let's take the Bill of Rights. And that company's not following with them. What does the government do? They go in and they try to fix the situation. How can that not apply to colleges? When colleges are, private colleges are, are not following and not abiding by the freedom of speech and the First Amendment, what, what are we left with? We're, we're kind of left with a constitutional crisis right now. Right. Um, and I think that, like, if something doesn't happen soon, like, more and more of these things are going to happen is colleges. Like, Trinity was a pretty mainstream conservative college for a long time. And now look at it. Right. Like it's 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 turned into something. I mean, you I, I wouldn't think that if you look at Trinity now, you would have no idea that like Jesse Waters or Tucker Carlson went there. I know. I know. It, it is so sad. I mean, but there are a lot of strong conservatives that have come out of Connecticut. Yeah. I'm one of them. Yeah, you're one of them. Um, I was glad uh, to speak at the university as crazy as it was. Um, and uh, I think it went well. Better or for worse, yeah. I think it went pretty well. They were surprised, um, you know, one or two crazies in the crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do, I do want to say that this is such an important story because it's not you're not the only person that goes through this. Right. This happens all over the nation, and I, I wanted to bring this episode to my audience um, because I just want parents to really be engaged in what's going on. I personally don't think that I would send my kid to school unless, to, to university until this gets fixed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't believe that we should be funding, paying for our kids to be discriminated against. Um, and I, I think that unless your kid wants to become a doctor, why send them? It's expensive and they're not learning anything anymore. Keep them at home and let them read John Locke. Um, so we wrap up every episode by allowing uh, you to sort of leave a two-minute message for the world. Okay. I would love for you to direct one to parents okay. um, you know, uh, you know, who are grappling with these questions. So if you're going to look directly at okay. that camera. Awesome. Um, to, and parents of the world, all right? Uh, all right. Uh, on your mark, get set. Two minutes on the clock. World, I give you Nick Ingstrom. All right. To my parents. Um First thing, I bet you are all grappling with so much anxiety right now between your kids not being able to either graduate from high school or college with with the COVID-19 pandemic um, wrapping up. And with now the, with the idea of you going to school, that your child's now going to be harassed and assaulted because they have a different viewpoint against the administration. Um, I tell you this, I think that look into your school, figure out what's going on. But I think to a broader point of what Candace brought up, and I think what we talked about here is that larger change needs to happen. You guys have control. You have the money. You're paying the bill. You can demand action that these schools take. These schools are can be held accountable and held accountable by you. Um, and I think that's an important message is that you, we don't like to talk about this anymore, but parents really do control the narrative. You guys get to choose how to raise your kids, um, how they act in public, and, and basically produce good citizenship within them. That should be able to continue at college, and it does. If you're paying the bill, you have power. And I think you should use that power. I think you should, if you think that any of this has maybe happened at the school that your son or daughter is at, um, or might be attending, talk to the administration, call them out, constantly be on them, form parents' unions, just make it so that it's easier for other kids. Because this is my story, but there's millions of other like me at every college facing the same struggle and the same things. And there's some kids that don't usually recover from it as well. I mean, this was pretty intense bullying. Um, so my advice to you is really control the narrative, work hard, and um, you have the money, you have the power.
That was excellent. That was that almost Wonderful. Good? Yeah. All right. There you go. Would you look at that? Almost exactly two minutes. Cool. All <laughs> you right. Awesome. That. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.